from Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So John chapter 14, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're looking at verses 15 uh, to 17, starting us off. Here we go, I'm gonna read it for you. It says, if you love me, This is Jesus talking. If you love me, obey my commands. Now notice right off the top, we obey because of love. Other translations, other manuscripts, sorry, um, actually say if you love me, you will obey. It's out of love that obedience flows. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So we're starting a new series today called Ghost and it is all about the Holy Spirit. And what's cool is today is actually Pentecost Sunday. And, you know, long ago when we were looking at series and kind of planning what we were going to talk about, you know, we did not plan to start this series on Pentecost Sunday. But lo and behold, we're starting a series about the Holy Spirit on the day that the Spirit is poured out and we remember as a church. Um, I think this is an important conversation and teaching for a number of reasons uh, and needed and valuable today. The first is the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. Francis Chan actually wrote a book called The Forgotten God, all about how we've forgotten the activity and work of the Holy Spirit. Even among charismatic churches, of which we are a charismatic church, even among charismatic churches, spirit-filled churches, we misunderstand the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of the God who had, had who is most active in our lives today. When we speak of God in us, when we speak of the power of God, when we speak to relating to God, we're speaking of the Holy Spirit. Without the empowerment of the Spirit, our witness is lacking. Let me say that again. Without the empowerment of the Spirit, our witness into our world is lacking. In fact, some would say without the fullness of the Spirit, we are living a subpar abnormal, lesser Christian lives. The Baptist preacher Billy Graham said it is subnormal. In fact, in our society today, um, that is deconstructing faith and reconstructing it to to follow um, truth as they define it, um, we need the spirit of truth to lead us into all truth. And finally, I think um, probably most important in a practical sense We're feeling so disconnected from each other. I don't know how many of you have talked to and you feel like you're disconnected from church, you're disconnected from the faith community, um, from friends, from family. And we, even though we're connected digitally, we're all exhausted about being connected digitally. Um, We're feeling more lonelier than ever, but it is because of the Holy Spirit that we are never alone. And if you're watching online right now and you're engaged in the chat, just write down never alone. Just that's, if you were in the building, you would be shouting out never alone. In fact, somebody in the room, shout out never alone. There we go. I got some engagement. I like it. I like it. You are never alone. We need to know the Spirit. We need to recognize the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to walk by the Spirit if we're going to maintain faith and witness in today's world. Now, have you ever had to say a really hard goodbye? And not like, uh, you know, you're saying goodbye to a loved one, you know, as they're passing away. And I know many of us have had to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I mean the kind of goodbye that you, you don't know when you're gonna see the person next. My, my wife and I, Jody and I, we met and married in about 11 months. Met and married in about 11 months, 11 months. And I thought that was a record, but some of you have us beat and you know who you are. We met and we started dating. And about a month and a half after we started dating, I was offered my first uh, pastoring job as a youth pastor about five hours away. So very quickly into our relationship, we were asking some very serious questions like, where is this going? Are, are we in this? Are, are we doing this for reals? Like, is this, is this a real thing? Are we gonna get serious about this? And just so you know, I believe that um, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be asking those kinds of questions because dating, um, dating is not a biblical concept. It's a cultural one. It's only been around for, I think, about 120 years. Um, it's not wrong. It's not wrong at all, but the purpose of dating is so that we can find a marriage partner. That's the, that's the purpose of dating. A monogamous marriage between a man and a woman is the biblical end game. And so we were asking like some serious questions um, very early on into, into our relationship. Where are we going? Are we giving this a very real shot? And we jumped um, in the deep end. We just jumped in and we said, let's give it a go. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. And so our relationship turned into a very, um, uh, of a long distance one very quickly. In fact, it was, you know, just before I had moved up there, she came up with me to, uh, to look for some housing so that when I moved, I would have a place to live. And we visited the church without the church knowing we were visiting the church. Like the leaders of the church, the pastors knew we were there, but the, the congregation didn't know who we were, didn't know we were the new youth pastors. I was the new youth pastor starting. And so we we're in the service, and one of the, the, the associate pastors from the stage shouts out, and our new youth pastor and his girlfriend are here. And so we kind of looked at each other and we're like, this is serious now. Like, our relationship is serious. Now, what we did in this long-distance relationship, if you're, never, if you're not familiar with the long-distance relationship, they will make you or they will break you. They will either make you or they will break you. But it forced us, we saw the good in it because it forced us to actually um, talk. Like, we couldn't just hang out and watch TV or go to a movie. We had to engage in conversation the entire, most of our, our dating relationship. That's all we had was on the phone, talking to one, one another. I mean, every so often, you know, I'd go up, go down once a month, you know, for a day or two, and she would come up um, once a month for a day or two, and so we would get to see each other. But the hardest part in all was the goodbye. The goodbye was always the hardest part. And I don't know if you've, you've noticed this, but the goodbye is always hardest on the person that's being left, right? If, you ever, if you've ever had to say a hard goodbye to somebody, it's, it's hardest when you're the one that's, that's staying and the other person is going. And we noticed this because whenever we were, when I was leaving, it was harder for her because I was leaving her and I was driving or vice versa. It was always hardest on the one saying goodbye. And here in our story in John chapter 14, we have Jesus who was going to be arrested, tried, beaten, hung on a cross in his last meal with his disciples and he begins to say goodbye and they're filled with grief. Like he's teaching them all these incredible, wonderful things that we are looking at today and we're gonna be looking at in the series and we look at in the church often, um, but they're just, they're just filled with grief. Now you have to imagine that you've been walking with the Messiah for three years, like physically walking with Jesus for three years. You've witnessed his teaching firsthand. Like the things that we read about in scripture, you've witnessed firsthand. You've watched him perform the miraculous. You've watched him heal people supernaturally. You've witnessed him defy the laws of nature, like literally witnessed him walk on water. 
And then he says, it's time for me to go. I'm leaving. He's saying goodbye. And in John chapter 16, this is what he says. He says, but now I'm going to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because what I've told you. Right? They're grieving. There's this, there's this deep sadness. They're mourning the loss of a relationship here. It says in verse 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I'm going, he's saying. I'm leaving, it's my time. And I just, you know, I try to imagine being a disciple. What you're talking about, Jesus? Like, we're, we're just getting started here. Like, we're just building momentum. Like, things are happening. Like, more people have heard about you. More people have known. There's been healings. There's miraculous. Like, we're, we're getting ready to fight against the oppressors, and you're, and you're going? And he says, it's, yes, it's best for you. It's good for you that I go. Now, what is so good about the Messiah leaving? Like, he was changing everything. He had given nobodies um, something to live for. He had taught in a way that gave hope to the hopeless. He had seen, and they, they had seen and watched and witnessed him heal uh, and restore the broken. What is good about having him go? Well, you see, God, um, Jesus was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh, the word with us. He is God, and he was with us, but Jesus had limits. Jesus had, I say that to my kids all the time. It's really funny when you hear like a five-year-old say, what you talking about, Willis? And they have no idea what they're talking about. Jesus had limits. And we're reminded in, in Philippians that when, when the word became flesh, when, when God uh, became man, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Or some scriptures will say something to be, to be grasped. So God welcomed human restriction in order to understand, in order to model, in order to feel our every temptation, in order to pay the price of sin, God becoming human took on human limitation. This is why that, that, uh, the fact that Jesus could do nothing without the enablement of the Spirit of God. When he began his ministry, the Spirit came upon Jesus. This is why Jesus could do nothing beyond what he saw the Father doing. If you remember him often saying, he's like, I do what I see the Father doing. Jesus, God in the flesh, functioned as an anointed man, which has huge implications for us. He had limitations. He wasn't omnipresent. He wasn't everywhere at all, all time. He was one man in one space in one time. He came for a purpose. He came to introduce us to the Father, introduce the world to the Father. He came to redeem the world, to take the sins of the world upon himself. And once he was done, he would expand that ministry to his apprentices, that he would no longer be the only anointed man. That he would no longer be the only one who would be empowered by God, but the spirit that empowered Jesus and raised Jesus from the dead would rest on us. So Jesus was God with us, us being humanity, the world, but the Holy Spirit would be God in us. Every single individual who calls on the name of Jesus. So if if the coming of Christ at his birth that we celebrate at Christmas time, that most people know is a celebration, even like non-Christians know that is a celebration of his coming, was God coming into our world, then Pentecost 
Today, that we remember as a church, was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into every believer, was God coming into our very being. It's God with us to a whole new level. He says, it's best for you that I, that I go. It's good for you that I go because no longer do you need to wonder if God's gonna show up. Like no longer do you need to wonder if God is near. No longer do you need to wonder and ask for his presence. As someone who believes in Jesus and has confessed your sin and calls him Lord of your life, he is already with you and in you in the Holy Spirit. He's in you to lead you, to guide you, to help you, to convict you, to train you, to console you, to comfort you. Someone once said this, I need Jesus Christ for my eternal life and I need the Holy Spirit of God for my internal life. So if Jesus, Jesus is telling his disciples, if I don't go, the advocate won't come. Now, I do this often when I read the scriptures. I like to imagine that I'm in the story. I like to imagine what it would be like if I was sitting in the room hearing this for the first time as a disciple of Jesus. Like this, would, this would be probably a little confusing. What are you talking about? You're leaving. An advocate is coming? Who is this advocate? He's gonna, he's gonna do more? Like, who can do more for us than Jesus has already done? He's, he's with us now, but he's gonna be in us? That doesn't make sense. And, and I think that, that this confuses us today. There's so much debate about the Holy Spirit among denominations. And some of it's because of particular distinctives. Some of it's just because we get cut off on definitions and, and terminology. But in it all, I think we've lost the promise that God gave. Even as, as a charismatic, spirit-filled church, we've, we've lost the promise, lost sight of the promise that Jesus gave. Who is this person? He's gonna guide us into all truth? What are you talking about, Jesus? Who can do more for us than you've already done? It's best that you go because you're sending somebody else? So in Acts chapter one, so Jesus had died. He rose again. He had spent some time with his disciples and appearing to people. And just before he would ascend into heaven, it says this in Acts chapter one, verse four. It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. So he's saying, remember what I talked about? Remember that the advocate will come? Don't forget. Don't forget the promise. Don't forget the promise, but wait. Now here's something we need to know about God. When God makes a promise, it comes to pass. God never ever doesn't fill a, prom a promise. It may not be when you want it. It may not be when you expect it. It may not come how you expect it. But if God said it, it will come to pass. Now, this is a specific command for the followers of Jesus in that time. And it's a command. He's saying, don't leave Jerusalem. He's not being vague. He's not being, you know, you know general. He's being very specific. Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait here. And it continues. It says this in verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days... He's given them a timeline. In a few days, wait here, do not go. In a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in this series, we're gonna look at a number of different things about the Holy Spirit. Um, among them is the baptism of the Spirit. Verse six, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set in his own authority, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not for you to know the times and the dates, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Just before Jesus, God-man, God incarnate, God in flesh, one man, one, one place, one time, would leave the earth forever until he would return. He says, don't leave this place. Wait for the promise. Now, if we attach what he's saying in Acts chapter one here to what he said in John chapter 16 and John chapter 14, it's wait for him. Wait for the promise of him to come. See, the Holy Spirit is a person the Bible uses masculine pronouns to describe the Holy Spirit, him, he. And it's a fallacy of the church and it's a failure on our part to see the Holy Spirit in any other way. He is not an it. You know what drives me, drives me a little crazy? When, when people refer to babies as it. What is its name? It's not an it. <laughs> it's a baby, just call it a baby. Maybe we don't know if it's a him or her yet. You know, because it's in the womb, they haven't figured it out, but don't call it an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a force. This is not Star Wars, okay? He's not an impersonal substance or power or ability. It's not like a vat of, of radioactive material that you fall into and you get superpowers. Like sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit like a superpower ability that we just get. It's not a battery pack, okay? He is a person, He's not an energy that connects all life. I've heard some people try to describe it like an energy. Well, I'm just trying to make it make sense to everyone else. That doesn't make sense. I don't describe other people that way. Well, they're, they're, you know, it's like an energy. He is a person. When we're speaking of the spirit, we're not talking about temperament. Like when we say that's the spirit. We're not talking about genius when we say someone played with great spirit. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about a person. And I don't know how many times we need to preach about this for this to stick in our brains. Not flesh, but person. Now let's just set some foundation here. Um, as a church, we are Trinitarian. We believe in a triune God, that God exists as three persons in one divine being, which can be very difficult for us to wrap our head around, but there are some aspects of, of the nature of God that should be difficult for us to comprehend and we should not be able to comprehend. Because if we can comprehend all aspects of God's nature, then he is no longer God, right? He is no longer above us. Some have tried to use um, different analogies to understand uh, the Trinity. H2O is an example, hydrogen two, oxygen, because H2O can exist as a liquid, as a solid or a vapor but it never ceases to be H2O. And that's, that's good for like a simple foundation or maybe, you know, to help a, a child understand. Um, the problem with that is it falls into a category called modalism, which was identified as a heresy in the church. And modalism basically teaches that God expresses himself sometimes as the Father and sometimes as the Son and sometimes as the Holy Spirit. That he's, he's one God and sometimes he's the Father and sometimes he's the Son. And sometimes he's the Holy Spirit, and that is not biblical. Um, another example of modalism, um, but people have tried to use as an analogy, is that I am, I'm call, but I'm also a son, a brother, and a father. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm call, but I'm a son at times. I'm always a son. I'm always a father. I'm a brother. But the problem is, is those aren't distinct beings. Those aren't distinct persons, I should say. Sorry. Some have tried to use as a, an egg as an example. The egg has a shell, a yolk, and a white 
It's made up of three parts. And while they're each distinct, where this falls short is each of those parts aren't fully egg. An eggshell is not fully an egg. A yolk is not fully an egg, right? And so on. Again, good for like maybe a foundation or, or for children to, to wrap their heads around, but it's, it falls short for a biblical understanding. Um, the best way I've come to wrap my head around the Trinity is this way, and this may not be sufficient for some of you, but it's helpful for me, so I'm just gonna share it either way. But it's I'm one kind of being. I'm a human. That's my kind. I'm also one person. I'm a human. I'm one person. I'm called. God is another kind of being. He's the divine being. He's one being. He's three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each are fully distinct from each other and each are fully God. Each are fully distinct from each other and each are fully God. The triune God exists as the person of the Father. He's the creator. He's the author of salvation. The person of the Son. He's the Word, the Savior, um, Jesus, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, many Christians, they place so much emphasis on the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit's become this lesser God. It's kind of like the awkward little brother that nobody wants to talk about, right? We'll talk about the other two, but let's not talk about him because he's a little strange and we don't understand him enough. It's important that we talk about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is part of God. It's who God is. In the first three centuries of the church, the first 300 years, there was little debate about the Holy Spirit. But in the fourth century, um, people started to, uh, saying that the Holy Spirit was not divine in nature. And so the church came together and they wrote this 1,600 years ago. And, I, and we still believe it today. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. 300 years after that, the church wrote this. They said, such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. Now, as you read the scriptures from, from cover to cover, you begin to see um, the Holy Spirit mentioned throughout the book. And I think I read that the Holy Spirit is mentioned or referenced around 800 times throughout scripture. The first uh, mention of the Holy Spirit is found in the second verse of all scripture. In Genesis chapter one, verse two, it says that the earth was formless and empty, but the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. And the word spirit here in the Old Testament is a word called ruach in Hebrew. You've probably heard of it if you've been around church long enough. And it translates to mean wind or breath. And some translations of that word have um, behind that idea a, a blast of breath. So there's this, there's this idea or an understanding of power. He comes with power. In the New Testament, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, which again translates wind. Wind is something at that, though you cannot see, you can sense and you can feel and you can, you can see its impact, but it's non-personal. Same with breath. Though you can't see it, you feel it. We all know it's life-giving ability. Everybody take a deep breath. Right? We know it's life-giving ability, but it's non-personal. Well, the, the spirit of God, however, though you can't see him, you can sense him, you can feel him, you can know his impact, yet he is a person with personable attributes. In Acts chapter 13, verse two, while the followers were, were worshiping and fasting, it was the Holy Spirit who spoke and said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So he speaks. We don't know how the Holy Spirit spoke. My guess is that he spoke to someone's mind or someone's heart and they were compelled to share that and that resonated with the room. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were passing through the uh, Phrygian and Galatian region because they were forbidden by the Spirit 
to speak in Asia. So he commands. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, it was the Holy Spirit who spoke to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it so that he could minister to the Ethiopian man about Jesus. So he leads. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit can be lied to in Acts chapter 5. He can be insulted, Hebrews chapter 10. I think he's insulted. I would be insulted if we called him a force or an it. He can be grieved by our actions, Ephesians chapter 5. He can be blasphemed in Matthew chapter 12. A.W. Tozer, a, a, a pastor and, and writer, said this, one of my favorite um, pastor writers. He said, he is a person. Put that down in capital letters. That's what he wrote that the Holy Spirit is not only a being having another mode of existence, but he himself a person with all the qualities and powers of personality. He, the Holy Spirit, is the active person of the Godhead in our lives. Someone else said this, the Holy Spirit is the point at which the Trinity becomes personal to the believer. When you know God, you gotta listen to me. When you know God, when you hear him, when you sense him, when you're moved by him, when you're changed by him, it's through the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is eternal. Hebrews chapter 9. He is all powerful. Luke chapter 1. He is everywhere at all times. Psalms 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He is all knowing. We are baptized in water in his name. Jesus commanded us to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into the faith uh, family at conversion because of the Holy Spirit. We are empowered for purpose when we are filled with him. And when we fail to recognize the activity of him, the Holy Spirit, in our lives, in the church, in the kingdom, we fail to recognize God. I'm going to invite the keys to come up. Joe, would you come up? Thank you. When we fail to acknowledge the Holy Spirit, when we fail to be spirit-led followers of Jesus, we fail to acknowledge God. And we fail in part at what it means to be followers of Jesus. When people, when churches look at people who acknowledge the Holy Spirit as God, as active, as a person, they say they place too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Really? Jesus did? We place too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit? He's God. This is what Jesus said. It's best for you that I go away. Church, listen, it was best for us that Jesus ascended to heaven so he could send the Holy Spirit so no longer would God be confined as a man in one place at one time, but he would be with you. You would never be alone because he would be in you. He said this, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And today we remember in church history on Pentecost Sunday that he is in us. Now this means so much. And I wanna to come to an end um, this way and I'm gonna pray for a couple people in just a moment. 
when you feel empty and alone and you feel disconnected, the Holy Spirit is with you. I'm talking to a believer here. I'm talking to someone who's, who's confessed their sin before God, who's received God as their Lord and Savior, who's striving to be a follower of Christ, making Jesus Lord of your life. This is who I'm talking to. You have the Holy Spirit. You're never alone. When you enter work and the environment is toxic and you don't know if you can do it, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you receive another poor diagnosis from the doctor, the results come in and it is not good, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you're at odds with your spouse in your marriage and you feel like it's holding by only a thread, the Holy Spirit is with you. When your relationships are severed and you feel broken inside, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you don't know your path and you don't know which way to go and you're, you're feeling lost and you're confused and you shout out, God, where are you? The Holy Spirit is with you. God has never, ever been closer to us than he is now in the Holy Spirit. You know what, kinda, I understand why people say this, but it kinda drives me a little crazy is when people pray for the Holy Spirit to come and pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. I get the heart and I get the understanding, but he's already come and he's in you. Like sometimes I even pray for more of God. Well, that's wrong. You wanna know why? Because I have God in me. He needs more of me. He needs more of me. I need to relinquish control to the Holy Spirit who is in me. You wanna be baptized in the Spirit? You want the fullness of the Spirit? You wanna be empowered by the Spirit? Relinquish control, surrender. You don't need God to, he's like, I wonder when we pray these prayers, if he's like, he's like, God, we're like, God, come, or Holy Spirit, come. He's like, I'm already there. I'm in you, you are never alone. See, the word advocate comes from the Greek word parakletos, which means a whole lot. We could probably do a whole sermon just on that word. But it's best known to mean this, to come alongside, to encourage and comfort. Jesus said, I will send another one to come alongside you, to encourage you and to comfort. God does some of his best work as the advocate who's come by your side to lift you up. You are never alone. God is everywhere present. We cannot go anywhere he has not been, that has not been touched by God. But with the Holy Spirit, with God's presence, God is quite literally with us all the time as believers. So I wanna pray for a couple people um, here today. Um, there's someone um, within the sound of my voice that came into my heart this week as I was preparing this, I wrote it down. Um, God's been working on you and you've been learning and your eyes have been opening, but you have yet to make that decision to follow Jesus as Lord of your life. You can have the Holy Spirit. You can have God in you. You can have God with you all the time, leading you and guiding you, convicting you of the wrong and leading you to the right. All you need to do is confess your sins, acknowledge Jesus Lord of your life, and he comes and he dwells within. He becomes a seal for salvation for you. So I wanna pray for you today. If that's you and you're, wherever you're listening from today, I wonder if we could all bow our heads, even if you're, 
in your own home. We could just bow our heads. Let's pray for this person. Or maybe it's persons. Maybe you're here today and you're like, that's me. If that's you, I just want you to open up your hands and just kind of take on that posture of reception and just pray this uh, with me. Dear Jesus, I want to just repeat it after me if you're in your home today and that's you, wherever you're listening from. Dear Jesus, I confess today that I'm a sinner and I want you to forgive me of my sin. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Lead me. Guide me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, I love this part, that there is more celebration. There's a party that exists in heaven because of the one person that gives their life to Jesus than the 99 that's been already saved. So if you're listening, and I don't know where you're listening from, and you made that decision today, there is a party in heaven happening because now you have the Holy Spirit with you. And now for all of us, maybe we're here today and we've just forgotten God. We've forgotten that the Holy Spirit exists in us. We failed to recognize his presence and we failed to relinquish control and surrender to him so that he can empower us to live each and every single day so we can walk by the spirit. If that's, if that's you today, maybe you're in the room, you're listening online, I want you to do the same thing. I just want you to take that, that posture of reception, open up two hands with your eyes closed. And I just want you to begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. And I wanna pray for you. Holy Spirit, you see those of us who have forgotten your presence in our life. We've forgotten who you are. We've grieved you by our actions. We've insulted you. We've failed to recognize how you have made connection with God possible. So Holy Spirit, make yourself real to each of, of those individuals, I pray. Make yourself real to me once again, to us. So we would know we were never alone. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that over this series that we just look at who you are, your activity, your role, what you do in and through our lives, that you would just allow your presence to manifest throughout this church, through the people of God of Parkway. That even those of us who have been walking with you for a long time, those of us who have been baptized in the Spirit would be filled once again. Those of us who have yet to experience the fullness of your presence would, would, would be empowered by you. And all of us would be moved and we'd be stretched and we'd be grown. We'd take, be taken at deeper levels. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, something I asked, uh, I asked um, the team to do earlier in a, that's here, the worship team and um, the tech team, and I want to ask you to do is if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're listening to this and you're part of Parkway Church or maybe you're not and you're just listening to this, I want you to fast and pray with us over the course of this series. I want you to take some, a day this week you know, or a meal this week and just, just fast and pray that the Holy Spirit would speak. Just as the Holy Spirit spoke to the church in the early church in the book of Acts to set apart Saul and Barnabas for, for ministry, 
I, I, want, I want us to, to fast and pray that the Holy Spirit would just reveal himself more and more in our lives, that we'd see a move of the Holy Spirit in this church, that we'd see his power displayed for us. Um, so would you fast with, with us over the course of this series, pray with us um, for, for yourself and for, for this church so that we can just see a move of God. I believe that through this series, as we do this, we place our attention on the Holy Spirit, that we'll see a powerful move. I believe, I believe in faith for it, and I'm excited for it. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.